Uh, This morning, looking at Colossians, the third chapter, verse 17, I want to speak to you a message entitled, The Attitude of Gratitude. It says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of being thankful in your life. The dictionary says to be thankful is to be conscious of benefit received. Conscious of benefit received. We need to be conscious and aware of the benefits that God has brought into our lives. Now that's something that we have to work at because it's very natural to become unconscious of the benefits that we've received in faith through Christ. People of faith are very quick, are very prone to forget God's blessings, to forget where they came from, to forget the mess you were in when God first pulled you out of the mess and forgave you of your sins. We're very quick to forget, and then we get ourselves in trouble. We're very much like the children of Israel who were in captivity for 400 years. 400 years these people prayed, God deliver us, God deliver us, God deliver us. I mean, this was not a nice situation. They worked hard. They didn't have a choice. If you've ever seen pictures of Egypt and the pyramids and all the stuff built by these Jewish slaves, um, this was no small deal. They, they suffered greatly under the hand of Pharaoh and in Egypt. Finally, after four 400 years, God sends Moses, has some incredible miracles, some serious butt-kicking going on in Egypt till they let him go, and they got out of there. And what's truly amazing to me about the story of the deliverance of, of the Jews from Egypt is not the miracles as incredible as they were. I mean, some phenomenal stuff that, you know, you got to go see on movies, Cecil B. DeMille to reproduce these things. I mean, incredible. Read the story. It's absolutely phenomenal. But that's not what really blows my mind in the story. What really blows my mind in the story is that no sooner had they gotten out of Egypt, but they started to bellyache and complain and wanted to go back. This is amazing to me. These are people who in no time completely forgot what they'd been going through. Completely forgot who they were at the time of their suffering. Completely forgot the experience they had and quickly started griping and moaning and complaining and wanted to go back to Egypt. We are so quick to forget who we are, what God has done in our life. As God continues his work in us, it is imperative as people of faith that we remain a people who are humble and thankful, always remembering where we came from. And thanksgiving forces you to do that. When you are people of thank, you have to thank God for what he's done. Remembering, being conscious of the benefits received. Because if we forget where we came from, we will stop growing in our faith. Now, in 2 Peter, the first chapter, we read a section of scripture here starting at verse 5. He says, for this very reason, make every effort. Everybody say every effort. Make every effort to add to your faith. And by the way, you'll never grow in your faith if you don't make every effort. It doesn't happen automatically. You don't get this by osmosis. You can't just sleep on a Bible and think you're going to grow in your faith. You know, it's not like a talisman that wards off evil spirits. 
Okay? Just coming to church in and of itself won't help you grow in your faith if you don't make every effort. Just coming to a church will no more make you a Christian than sleeping in the garage will turn you into a car. Alright? You have to make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort to grow in your faith. Uh, you know, if, if at all possible, come. Be a part of our Wednesday night Bible studies and any opportunities that God gives you where you can grow in your faith, when you can add stuff to your faith. And if you forget and you're not thankful, you become passive and you quit making every effort, which we'll see at the end of this verse. But look at this list that he says that we need to add to our faith. Number one, he says you need to add goodness to your faith. Now, a lot of people try to get that reversed. They try to be good first and thinking that being good makes them a person of faith. They think that if they're just better than they are bad, then that will somehow get them into heaven. That on judgment day, God's going to say, okay, you were this bad, but you were this good, and you were that irritable, but you were that... No, I, I guess you can get in. You're living in a delusion. That's what the world thinks that judgment, judgment day has nothing to do with it. You, you can't possibly have enough good to erase your bad. We are hopeless without God. Without his forgiveness. That's why Jesus came to the earth. To die for the sins of mankind. That through his suffering, through his blood, he took the punishment we should get. And by putting our faith in him, then it's no longer about you being good. It's about faith. It's about grace. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. There's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is receive it by faith into your life. This is what true faith is about. Goodness, however, is important. Not so you earn God's favor, but so that you can uh, be more like God. We need to do good things if we're going to be people of faith. Also add to your goodness then knowledge. If you want to know more about God, if you want to grow in your faith, you have to learn. And again, you can't learn by osmosis. You've got to make every effort. Then he says, add to your knowledge, self-control. Now that's something you don't hear a lot about in America today. People don't want to have self-control. They think it's absurd that people can actually control themselves. But I want you to know something. As people of faith, we have self-control. Our... You know what's really irritating me? And I've got the attention span of a fly back there, you guys, so you have to put it with me. Can you lower some of the lights on here? I'm, I'm having people look at me like this. And, and uh, they're clapping. That means it's too bright. Bring it down. They don't want anybody to know they're here. It'll take them a second to find the button, so if you can wait and just don't bring me down. I want to be bright. Bring down the crowd. Work on that back there as we continue. And because that's just is freaking me out. Okay? <laughs> and I'm trying to have self-control here. Alright, now we live in a culture that says we can't have self-control. Our schools assume that teenagers cannot control themselves. You know, when you speak on issues of morality to young people and, and about not being sexually active and not doing drugs and not getting drunk, you know, they say, well, you know, they, they really can't control themselves. I want you to know something. You can control yourself. Our young people can, I don't know about the heathens, but people of faith. There's one thing, the Spirit of God allows us to control ourselves. We don't have to just give in to every urge and feeling that we feel. We can control ourselves. The Bible says the Spirit of grace gives us the ability to say no 
to ungodliness. We can say no. Your urges and your temptations do not control you. Everybody, I know, we all get tempted. We all go through stuff. I get it. But the difference between us, uh, people of faith and people who don't have faith, is people of faith have the power, the ability to say no. Our urges do not control us. You don't have to just give in to stuff. Christian people, Christian young people, yielding to every little urge that comes along, I'll tell you, it will wreck your life. Christian people getting caught up in adulterous affairs and stuff like that and just, you know, justifying it with, you know, well, I, I, I didn't mean for it to happen. I, I, I just felt it. I just felt it. You're a nitwit. Stop it. You can control yourself. I don't care what you feel. We're not a bunch of cats and dogs in heat that can't control ourselves. The Spirit of grace allows us control. Somebody say amen. Amen. Add to your self-control perseverance. Here's an attitude of stick itiveness If you're going to succeed in faith, you've got to have some perseverance. Like a chihuahua. You ever seen those chihuahuas? Chihuahuas, man. Un perro que está muy feo. Man, these are one ugly dogs. I'm telling you. They're ugly, ugly dogs. The thing I like about chihuahuas is they don't know how small they are. You know, I got cats bigger than most chihuahuas. You know, this, these dogs, just mean little rascals, just just determined they're going to make a statement. Grab a hold of something, won't let it go. That's the way we need to be people of faith. We need to be chihuahuas for Jesus. There we go. The lights came down. Give me a hand back there. <laughs> Did you enjoy church? I don't know. I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> we need some perseverance. Doesn't matter what comes our way. We need to stick to And I'll tell you what. There is some times where you just need to just hang on. You need to be persistent. You need to, you know, if you get to the end of your rope, you need to tie a knot. Hang on. Sometimes God lets you go there. Sometimes, it seems like God sometimes is late. But he's never late. What is he doing? He's testing your faith. It's like the time when, when he found out that Lazarus was sick. So Lazarus, he need to come pray for Lazarus. He's sick. He says, okay. So he just takes his time. He finally gets it. Well, Lazarus is dead. And they're mad at him. He said, Lord, if you got here on time, you wouldn't have died. So we're that way sometimes. We think delays and, and things not going the way it should all the time. You know, we just get, <laughs> we get all mad at God. You need to chill out. You just need to be persistent. <laughs> I don't care. God has given up. He's dead. I don't care. <laughs> greatest, one of the greatest miracles Jesus ever did was raising Lazarus from the dead. who had been dead for three days. He wasn't late. He knew exactly what was going on. Just a testing of faith. We need some perseverance. Don't collapse every time things don't go your way. Then we need to add to perseverance, godliness. Be like God. Have a heart to be like God. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. There's a concept. Be nice. Be nice. I don't like that guy. That's okay. Be nice. I don't like you. That's okay. Be nice. (laughs) Just be nice. We should be nice to each other. We need to make every effort to be nice. Why? Because it takes some effort sometimes. Why? Because of all of you. <laughs> no, it's just people. We're people, you know. People just cause you, to, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
I mean, if everybody was like us, life would be great, right? Everybody's different. People do things that irritate us, that bug us. People make decisions we don't like. Situations change. People don't like change. We just get mean and we justify our meanness. Yeah, I know I shouldn't be this way, but... And I know I shouldn't act like that, but, 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 but. And I know a Christian should be this way, but, 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 but. You could quit butting around, man, I'm telling you. God's going to kick your butt. You need to be nice. People's other actions do not justify us being mean. We need to add brotherly kindness. And then finally to all of that love. He says, for if you possess these qualities, all the things I just talked about, in increasing measure, why? Because you're making every effort to add to your faith. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, and there's a lot of people who do not have these things abundantly in their lives, says he is nearsighted and blind and what? Has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. He's, when, when you're not thankful, you forget. When you forget, you, you, you stop making every effort. You stop adding to your faith. You, you stop being who you should be in Christ. Forgetting is one of the greatest dangers a person of faith faces. Thankfulness keeps you from forgetting. You've got to stay thankful. Every day you should thank God. And be specific what you're thanking him for. Just not, thanks God. But thank him for this and for that and for your family. And where he's taking you through. And the prayers answered in your life. And the miracles he's done for you. And for saving you from a life of sin. Be thankful daily. Because it keeps you remembering. When we forget what God has done in our lives, the sins he's forgiven us of, where he's brought us from, then it's easy to become arrogant and proud. We start criticizing the faults and sins of other people. Jesus told a parable in Matthew the 18th chapter. He says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, we'll say a million bucks for us, okay, a lot of money, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. You think getting a phone call from a credit card is bad. These people sell you off, man. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the whole deal, let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. We'll say five bucks. Got a favor given of a million. Now he's ticked off because somebody owes him five bucks. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, please be patient with me, I'll, I'll pay back everything. But he refused and said he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay off the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked little snot! You arrogant little twit! Got a different translation here. He said, I cancel all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger... His master turned him over to the jailers to be what? Tortured. Remember that. Tortured. Until he paid back all he owed. Then Jesus says this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Whoa. Unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Hear this.
this guy, this guy had let him off this huge debt, but then he turned around and choked this other guy trying to make it even with him. We need to be careful as people of faith, not to go around and just be mean to other people and criticize other people and judge other people and unforgive. I don't like that way that guy acted. And I don't like the way, and I don't like that pastor the way that he did that thing. And I, I don't like this and I don't think they should have done that. Man, you need to be careful. You got to quit judging everybody and being so unforgiving towards others. You need to remember who you were at the beginning. What debt has God forgiven of you in your life? What sins has he forgiven you of? And continues to give grace in your life. For you go around and start pointing at other people and get, well, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't think they should do this. You need to chill out. So my heavenly father is going to treat each of you. Thankfulness helps us to consistently remember God's kindness. In turn, it helps us to be kind to others. If we really get a picture, if we really get a vision of where we were at without God and the stuff God has forgiven of us, how dare we be so mean to each other and to others that have hurt us? Some of you hanging on to stuff, I know it. Some of you hanging on to stuff people hurt you 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. I don't forget that guy. I'll never forgive that guy for I never. Man, you need to be careful. You know, we pray the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, all that stuff. You know, when Jesus got done teaching him that prayer, he said these very next words. He says, For if you do not forgive people when they sin against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you. See, he, he said that because they, he knew he just freaked him out when he told him that part about forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Man, when they, they went, Whoa, what? Everything else they were cool with. That part was, Whoa! And Jesus said, yeah, if you don't forgive other people, God's not going to forgive you. You need to be careful. You need to keep short accounts. You need to let people off. I get it. People hurt us. I get it. Even people we trust hurt us. People who should keep us safe have hurt us. Some of you have religious backgrounds and pastors have done things you haven't approved of and, and hurt you. You know, most of you still like me. I haven't been here long enough to hurt anybody yet. That's the good news. <laughs> Bad news is I probably will at some point, you know. Why? We're all people. We all not intentional, but we make mistakes. We make mistakes. We need to forgive each other. This needs to be a family affair. We need to be safe enough to just understand that, you know, people mess up. And we don't criticize and, 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 and destroy each other over it. You know, Christianity is the only army in the world that shoots its wounded. In other armies, you get a shot, you stumble, you make a mistake. You get, an, or get a medal. Christian, as soon as he messed up, rah, he messed up, he messed up. You need to chill out. Colossians says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We read this last week. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be what? Thankful. We need to be thankful. Why? Because it constantly reminds us of where we've come. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish each other with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Being kind to others in the church can be a pretty difficult thing to do. And that's because the invitation to be part of the family of faith is a very open invitation. It's a great parable here in Luke the 14th chapter. Jesus said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come on, everything's ready, let's go. 
But they all began to make excuses. The first said, well, I just bought a field. i got to go check it out. Please excuse me. Another said, well, I just bought five oxen down at the oxen dealership. i got to go do a test drive. Check it out. Please excuse me. Still another said, hey, I just got married. I can't do anything anymore. (laughs) I'm so mean. Uh, The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house got angry, ordered his servant, go out in the streets and alleys and bring in the poor. The poor? We're not the poor. We're not the poor. They they take up space. They can't give any money. They can't do anything. Some of them smell kind of bad. Hey, he said the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He goes and does it. Comes back and says, sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes. Make them come in so my house will be full. He says, I tell you, none of those guys making excuses will get into my banquet. You have to understand, the invitation to the family of faith is a very broad invitation. It's a very open invitation. In fact, anybody who wants in on this deal gets in. I don't care if you're smart. I don't care if you're pretty. I don't care if you're ugly. I don't care if you're patient and kind or if you're kind of ornery and mean. It's an invitation to everybody. And that makes it challenging to get along because it's not all about us. There's some people that it's easy to like them. We all have people that are just easy to like. They're very likable people. There's other people that are just not very easy to like. They just irritate you. You know, we all have that. But it doesn't matter. We're all part of a family. A family of faith. And we need to be patient with each other. We need to be kind with each other. We need to remember this thing that I'm part of. I'm not the host. I'm just one of the invited guests. You see. When it comes to faith, we're, all of you here, we're just all, we've all been invited. It's a big open invitation. Anybody who wants in can come in. That's all of us. That's all of us. We're all part of the same invitation. And we need to be kind and need to remember that we've been invited. We're not the hosts. We're just the guests. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward, get ready to service communion this morning, and our worship team to come back up. Being thankful causes you to remember that you're not the host. You are simply one of the invited guests into God's kingdom. And that you need to be kind to all whom the Lord has invited. We need to be thankful. Intentionally remind yourselves of God's blessing. And tell him, thank you God for this and for that. Every time you pray, there should be a moment of thankfulness. Don't take your blessings for granted. And we should be people, if there's one thing that should mark a person of faith, is they are thankful, grateful people. The kind who are always saying thank you to people. Always saying thank you to people. You know, be, we should be that in our homes. You should be thankful to your wife. All the stuff she does, just don't sit around. Yeah, yeah. Hey, where's my potatoes? You know. Be thankful. Thank you, honey, for what you do in my life. Thank you for taking care of our kids. You're an incredible mother. Thank you for all the things that you do in our lives. Be thankful to your husband for all the stuff that he does. Be thankful to your kids. Make your kids thankful people. Teach your kids to say, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you. Not just a bunch of demanding, whining little creatures. Remember the sins God has forgiven you of. If you'll do that, you'll be much more compassionate to those who sin against you. 
Jesus said, I tell you, not one of those men who are invited and refused will taste of my banquet. We need to be thankful. Before you start handing it, hold it, hold it, guys. Don't, hold it. Don't hand it out until I tell you to hand it out. Hold on, just hold on. Hold it. Ushers, listen to me. Stand still for a moment. Let's not distract people. Because I want them all to listen to me. All right. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. Before we start taking communion, I want to ask you, where are you at this morning with this invitation? Have you received this invitation? Are you part of the family of faith? If not, I want to pray a prayer together. All of us, I want us all to repeat this prayer. If you will mean this prayer from your heart, doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter if this is the first time you've ever heard a message like this, if you will mean this prayer from the bottom of your heart, you can become part of this family of faith. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for going to the cross for me. I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins. I surrender my life to you as I accept your invitation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And now you may pass out the communion. If you're a first-time guest or visitor, you can join with us. You do not have to be.